Today we're going to continue in our Christmas series that we're just calling carols. We're focusing on Christmas carols this year. As I said before, the four Sundays, last Sunday, and then this Sunday and two more Sundays, we're picking out four of the most popular, well-known Christmas carols and just singing them together and, and then taking some lines from those songs to remind us of some truths in Scripture. Those four songs are listed in your bulletin. And uh, uh, if you have other songs that you would like to sing, I don't know if we can do them or not, but we can try. Just let Jeremy know or let me know or let Christian know or, or Kate or somebody like that. We'll, we'll see if they can be worked in. Uh, <clears throat> the the uh, uh, last Sunday we started with the song, O Holy Night. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, this, today we're going to be looking at the song that we sang last this morning, which was, O Come, All Ye Faithful. Now, O Holy Night kind of had a, a, a more zippy kind of a history to it, you know. But I did mention last week that O Holy Night was written in French originally in 1847, translated into English about 10 years later, made its way to the United States, uh, translated by an, an American abolitionist who especially loved the lines that he translated, Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. O Come All You Faithful was actually written about 100 years before uh, 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 o Holy Night was written. It was written in the mid-1700s. Originally, it was written not in French and not in English, but in Latin. Adeste Fidelis is the original name of the song, and it was translated into English in the mid-19th century in 1841 by an English Catholic priest by the name of Frederick Oakley. Uh, doesn't enjoy, uh, uh, you know, all the controversy that was connected with O Holy Night, but it's still a great song that we're all attracted to. The first verse and the refrain, which you just sang, go like this. O come, all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. O come, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. And today we're going to just focus on that first line, O come, all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. Now, faithful, joyful, triumphant. Often, especially during the Christmas season, we feel anything but faithful, joyful, and triumphant. Matter of fact, many times we feel defeated, depressed, and doubtful uh, even during the Christmas season. Now, it may have something to do with the first word, uh, the word faithful. Perhaps, uh, <clears throat> you know, if you're feeling particularly unfaithful, you sometimes get to that point where you know God has called you to do something. You know that he wants you to live a certain way, and you really want to do that, and you really want to live that way, and, but when you tried it out, man, it was harder than it looked. You know, you just, wow, this is a difficult thing to do, and so perhaps there's something that is trying your faith and doubt is creeping in this Christmas season. <clears throat> or maybe uh, it has more to do with that second word, the word joyful. Uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes I allow the, the commercialism uh, of the Christmas season to suck the joy out of it. When Gene tells me what Black Friday uh, shopping is like, I, I say, thank the Lord I didn't go out on Black Friday. I, I stayed at home because uh, I, I don't like that kind of stuff. Or maybe it has to do with the third word, the word triumphant. We're having trouble uh, being victorious in our life. You know, a lot of times we'll look at 
our finances. <clears throat> and, and, and we think to ourselves, well, I thought I'd be doing better than this right now. <laughs> you know, I thought things would be better. Uh, or maybe we look at our, our marriage and we say, I thought after five years or 10 years or 15 years or 20 years or whatever, I thought we would be in a better situation, a different situation than we are right now. Or maybe <clears throat> you're feeling less than triumphant uh, in maybe you have a ministry, you know, something that God called you to do, or in your job, uh, or even in your retirement, you're feeling less than triumphant. So, because it's easy to look around us and say, well, that, I would really like to be that person over there, or I'd really like to be this, this other person uh, over here, and it would call us, cause us to feel defeated. So, as we look at, oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. I think we should look at it maybe a little bit different perspective. I apologize. Seems I'm having a little voice problem this morning, but, but uh, oh, here's some water. How'd that get there? My back was turned. Oh, thank you. I don't know that it would help, but it tasted really good. <laughs> I saw some activity going on around there. Okay. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. You know, the, the, the song's like, O come ye, O come ye. It's so, it's so Jesus is calling us. Come to Bethlehem, you, you who are faithful. Come to Bethlehem, you who are joyful. Come to Bethlehem, you who are triumphant. And so I wanted to start this morning just by <clears throat> asking this question. Who does Jesus call to him? Who is Jesus calling? I, I, is it only the perfect? Is it only the happy? Is it only the victorious? Is it only those that really feel good about it? Who does Jesus call? Just to start this thought, two things. Who Jesus calls, I think we can say we can start this way. He calls the weary <clears throat> and the burdened. I think I'll try that one more time, Christian, see if it, uh, see if it works. <clears throat> Doesn't bother me to struggle a little bit, but I know it makes you feel uncomfortable a lot of times. Jesus calls the weary and the burdened to him. Now, I love this passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Most of you are familiar with it where Jesus says, come. Come to me, not necessarily to Bethlehem, but come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. New International Version says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. New Living says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. But that word labor right there, we, we think of it as going to work or something of that nature. But the meaning of it is, uh, is growing tired and weary as a result of our, of our toil, but it could be a result of a burden that we're bearing or grief in our life. Jesus said, all you who are, are weary because of what's going on in your life, all of you who are carrying this really heavy burden, you feel like every day you get up and, and this responsibility is more than you can bear and it's just work and work and work and work and there doesn't seem to be any end to it and don't seem to be making any progress in it. Jesus said, come, come to me and I will give you rest. And that rest that he talks about is more than, whew, man, <laughs> nice to have a couple minutes to sit down. But that word means I will refresh you. I will rejuvenate you so that when you get up, you're actually you're not going to feel just as tired as you were when you sat down, but you're actually going to feel like you've got the juice that you need now to do what needs to be done. And so Jesus calls, first of all, he calls all the weary and the burden. Now here's secondly, Jesus calls sinners. <clears throat> I'm glad he got me in that one. He got me in the first one, he got me in the second one too. <laughs> Jesus calls sinners. Once, 
Uh, you know, there's a guy, uh, by the way, that was amongst the, the original 12 that Jesus called out. This guy's name was Matthew. And, and, and Matthew uh, was a tax collector. And everybody hated tax collectors. I'm not going into the, uh, you, you can relate to that uh, unless you're a tax collector or work for the IRS. But, uh, but I'm not going to go into the history of why that was especially true during the time of Jesus. But but, but tax collectors and sinners, I just, those words just kind of roll together. And Matthew was that guy. You know, he was, Jesus specifically called him to be one of the 12 original guys that followed him. And one day, Jesus went over to Matthew's house to have dinner. And he had all of his buddies over. And guess what his buddies did for a living? You know, they were tax collectors too. And, and the religious leaders were looking. And, and they, they whispered to uh, to Matthew and some of the other guys, why is it that you're master? Why is it your teacher? Why is it your rabbi, this Jesus guy? Why does he have such close fellowship and even eat meals with tax collectors and sinners? Why does he do that? Why does he, why does he hang around with that kind of people? And of course, you can't hide anything from Jesus. He heard it. You know, he knew what was going on. And here was his comment, Matthew 9, 12. When Jesus heard that, he said to them, to these leaders, those who are well, healthy people, have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Verse 13, but go and learn what this means. And, and uh, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. He said, go figure out what that means. And by the way, that's a, that is a quotation from the Old Testament prophecy of Hosea, chapter 6 and verse 6. Then he kind of explains it all. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance or or I did not call, come to call those who think they're good enough without me. I didn't, I didn't come to, for those people who think they're better than other people. I didn't come for them. I, I, I came for those who know they are sinners. That's the kind of person that I'm for. I'm for that know people who know that they are sinners. Now, based on the verses we've read, we could rewrite, rewrite the carol, uh, O come all ye sinners, weary and burdened down. Oh, come, oh, come to Bethlehem. Doesn't sound like a lot of fun. It sounds like better, oh, you know, uh, uh, who are victorious and triumphant and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but the good news is that when Jesus calls us from this place of, of being weary and being losers and being sinners and all that kind of thing, he doesn't leave us in that place. He takes us to a new place. You know, he may have called us from a place of unbelief and sin and despair, but he takes us to a place of faith and joy and triumph. And the good news of the gospel is simply this, that when you've tried on your own and you failed on your own and you realize it's hopeless for you on your own, when you realize I need Jesus, then real change can take place. He's for you. He's calling you to come to him. And when you ask for God's forgiveness and you trust in him, here's what happens. Uh, it's recorded for us by the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, where the Apostle said, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, for those who have trusted in Jesus Christ, those who are a part of the family of God, those who are in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you've trusted in Christ, the old life is gone. A new life has begun. It's brand new. Old things have passed away. New things have come. The old has passed away. The new has come. There's different translations. Uh, the new is here and present with us. Perhaps you realize today that, that you can't make it on your own. 
Maybe you realize, you know, you've done it, and it just dead end after dead end after dead end. It looked pretty good for a while, and then you crashed again. Uh, perhaps you realize you can't make it on your own. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about the fact that when Jesus calls us, he calls us. We know we're sinners, especially. He calls us. He's not going to leave us there. He's going to take us to some other place. Jesus is going to help us become more. That's what Christmas is all about. Jesus is going to help us to become more. And the first thing is, first line of the song, more faithful. You know, oh, come all ye faithful. I'm not faithful all the time. Uh, well, that's okay. Come on. Uh, I fall down a lot of times. That's all right. Come on. Jesus leads us to faith. It all starts with him, but so much more. Now, we've read these verses, I don't know, a couple of times in the last few months, but we're going to read them again. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Verse 1 says this, and, and remember Hebrews chapter 11 is all about these, these people, great heroes of faith in the Bible, these people that did all these things and gave up their life for God and all this sort of stuff, and, and, and they're our example. And so the writer of Hebrews says, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, but the Christian life is an endurance race. And, and here's the important part for this morning, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, fixing your eyes on Jesus, keeping your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, the shame of the cross, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. A couple of words there. He is Jesus. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus because he is, number one, the author of our faith. And uh, that the, the word literally means the one who is the first cause of our faith, who furnishes the first cause of our faith. Other translations translate the source of our faith, the founder of our faith, the pioneer of our faith. But Jesus is the first cause of our faith. If it wasn't for him, we'd have no faith uh, even. He gives us the faith. So he's the, 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 the first cause, the beginner, the author, the starter of our faith, but he's also the finisher of our faith. Uh, kind of, and most people wouldn't be interested in this, but uh, that word that's translated finisher can't be found anywhere else in the Bible or anywhere else in ancient Greek. And, and, it, and it causes people to, to think the author of the book of Hebrews probably just made that word up himself. I've done that. I can remember writing papers in college and there'd be a, be a circle around this in word. Any word. You just made up a word. But it was always based on some other word. And that's the way it is with this word. It's a word that's based on some other word. The word that, that, that means what's finished or complete or carried through to perfection or accomplished and all those kinds of things. And so it refers to Jesus as the one who not only starts our faith, initiates as the first cause of our faith, but carries our faith on to completion and perfection and maturity in this life and also in the perfection we have in Jesus in eternity, that, that, that which uh, Ms. Walpert knows a little bit more about than we know about uh, this morning. So faith originates in Jesus, it's matured in Jesus, it's brought to its full end, its perfection in Jesus. So how does he do that right now, practically in our lives right now? Not in heaven, not in the clouds, you know, not that kind of stuff, but how does he practically do that in our lives right now? Well, here's part of it. According to Paul, Romans chapter 10, verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Hearing God's word 
builds up our faith, reading God's word, studying God's word, uh, applying God's word, but it does it in conjunction with our experiences. It's not just, whoop, I hear God's word and all of a sudden I'm powerful. No, uh, I, 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 I read God's word, I study God's word, the Bible. Uh, I, I apply what God has to say, and when I'm going through hard times, it becomes meaningful to me, and I grow in him, and I get strong in him. God's word does not have any magical power. You can't just, just read this verse of scripture, and all of a sudden a miracle takes place. That's new ageism. That's magic. Uh, that's mysticism. That's a whole bunch of stuff, but it is not Bible. It's not, you can't just quote a scripture and magic takes place, all right? Here's how it works. You read, you study, you memorize God's word. You spend time with God's word each day. You pray and you talk to God as he's talking to you uh, through his word. Uh, when you read something and, 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 and you say, whoa, God's telling me to do this. God's telling me to be faithful in this. God's telling me to make this decision in my life. God's telling me to uh, uh, change uh, some habits uh, in my life. And you apply that. You do what it says. And then as you spend time in God's word and you're applying God's word and then you, God leads you through difficult times. Little things and big things and bigger things and bigger things from time to time. As you go through difficult times, the Holy Spirit brings God's word back to your mind and it becomes real to you and you grow stronger in it. That's the way this whole thing works right here. Not just some magical, I read God's word and all of a sudden I feel better and everything is great again. You understand the difference between that? It's not magic. It is the power of the Holy Spirit working inside of you. I'm going to give you an example I've used before, but something that's really meaningful, something that's, you know, that goes back to the beginning of my ministry and is carried all the way through. But I've told you before that, that right before I graduated from college, you know, I was living at home with my parents, and my dad was my pastor, and he was my go-to guy. And everything, you know, I just trusted and depended on him, not to God, really. I have to tell you, I didn't trust in God. I trusted in Dad. You know, he was going to take care of everything, that nothing was going to go wrong, that every need was going to be met, and then boom, you know, he preached one Wednesday night. By noon the next day, he was dead, and we had Easter services at our church on Sunday, and by Monday, I was the guy that they, everybody was turned to. I started preaching every service. I didn't think, thought about doing it that much prior to that time. I'd have done about a half a dozen sermons or something of that nature, but all of a sudden, I had to go from the guy uh, you know, that just sat back there that depended on dad to the guy that was trusting God because everybody was looking to me at 22 years of age uh, to be the go-to kind of a person. And, and it wasn't an easy transition to make. I can remember, you know, that from Wednesday night to noon on Thursday, I was praying to God, oh God, you know, please don't let dad die. I need this guy. You know, I, try, I, I depend on this guy uh, right here. And, and I said, I, I searched my mind the scripture. I said, oh, by the way, God, you remember Hezekiah, that, that, that King Hezekiah in the Old Testament? And, and you told him he was going to die, but you gave him 15 more years. How about giving dad 15 more years? If you do that, God, I'll, I'll be good with that. You know, 15 more years. Well, he didn't live 15 hours from the time we originally uh, got him to the uh, hospital. He lived about 12 hours from the time we got him to the, to the hospital. But the Holy Spirit began to work within me, you know, the scriptures that had meant so much. I needed a father. And, 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 and I started thinking, our father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I thought, well, 
I need a dad. I need a father. I got one. The other guy, you know, that I love so much did the best he could, but his body took him as far as it could take him, and it was over with. He couldn't be there for me anymore, but I have a father in heaven. And that, that started becoming real to me. The Lord is my shepherd. How am I going to do this, God? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He's all I need. Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 19th verse of that same chapter says, but my God shall supply all your need through his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And so uh, it, it, it wasn't an overnight thing. It was, it was halting and it was imperfect and it was agonizing from time to time. But gradually, you know, uh, God took me from the guy that just wanted to sit there and hide and not want to open his mouth about anything and just let dad take care of everything to a different person. Spend time in God's word. And when you spend time in God's word, then when you go through the tough times and you're suffering in a time of loss or a time of disappointment, let the Father come for, through for you and comfort you. That's the way this whole thing works. Uh, Isaiah chapter 43. Here's, here's something that's talking to Israel, but think about this too, as, as though God's talking to you. Uh, Isaiah 43, 1, but now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob. You're not Jacob, you know. You're John or Mary or Allie or whoever you are, but, but you can let God speak to you here. But now says the Lord who created you and who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by your name. You are mine. Come to me. I, I've called you. I've redeemed you. You belong to me. Verse 2, when you pass through the waters, I'm going to be with you. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow. You're not going to drown. When you walk through the fire, you will not, shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Now, don't go walking through a fire. Don't go home and light a fire and jump into it. Okay, that's not what it's talking about here. But whatever you have to go through, God said, I'm, I'm with you. I'm there. There is nothing you're going to, you may feel like you're going to burn up, but you're not going to burn up. You're not going to drown. You're not going to get overflowed. You're not going to get washed away. I am with you. Verse 3, for I am the Lord your God. I am Yahweh. I'm the very God of the universe, the creator. I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Those of us who believe in Jesus, and that we have this new creation uh, dwelling inside of us. We can know the presence of God through his faith. It will build you up. And so Jesus helps us. He says, come, uh, you sinners. Come, you who are burdened down. I will give, make you more faithful. The second thing is, I'll help you to become more joyful. Now, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. You know, joy is not something, some things you can just grit your teeth and do. You know, I'm going to stay awake for 12 hours or 24 hours or whatever, you know. And I'm not going to let this person bother me. It may be killing me on the inside, but I'm going to have a smile on my face, you know. Some things you can do. But I tell you what you can't do, you can't produce joy in your own life. You, that only comes from the Holy Spirit of God. Galatians 5, and 23 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is, here's what the Spirit produces in you, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
But the second thing is joy. A tree produces fruit based on its nature. An apple tree produces apples. An orange tree produces oranges. A pear tree produces pears. A fig tree produces figs. That's the nature of things. And it's the same way uh, with the fruit of the Spirit. And we might as well stay around for a while. We can't go outside now, right? It's, uh, it's pouring down rain out there. Uh, uh, same with the fruit of the Spirit. Our joy doesn't come because we say, I'm, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be joyful. You can't do it. Our joy comes from a right relationship with the God who created us and loves us and knows us and has a plan for our lives. It's not something we can produce on our own. When you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, when you go to him and you say, Jesus, I can't make it on my own. I'm, you know, I know where I'm headed without you. I trust you to save me and to take me into your family, uh, and you're born again into, into his family. When you trust Jesus as your Savior, and you're born into God's family, you become that new creation that we read about earlier. If any person be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. And God's Spirit then can produce in you love, joy, and peace. Now, happiness is different. You can be happy every once in a while. Happiness is not the same as joy. Think about this. Happiness depends on happenings. Happiness depends on what's going on around you. But joy depends on Jesus. By the way, sometimes in the New Testament, the word happy is used. It's a translation of a word that most often is translated highly blessed. So it's a different than the word we think of as happiness. But happiness depends on what's going on around me right now. And if I like what's going on around me right now, I'm happy. And if I don't like what's going on around me right now, I am not happy. But joy comes from Jesus. Joy comes from the presence of the Holy Spirit who dwells within me. It flows from my relationship with the Father in heaven, from the love I have for him, for the confidence that I have in him, for the way uh, I, I know that he's going to keep his promises. If I believe that God cares about me and God is going to keep his promises and I stay in constant touch with him, I'm going to have joy. Now we see this in the Christmas story. Joy is connected like peace is, but joy is connected with Christmas. In Luke's gospel chapter two, you know, there's some shepherds and they're out uh, at nighttime, middle of the night, and they're watching their sheep, and everything is quiet, and all of a sudden, it must have been a shocking thing, all of a sudden an angel shows up, and things get really noisy, and that would scare you to death if you were in your bedroom at night, and all of a sudden an angel appeared. I got, a, I got out of bed a couple of nights ago, by the way, and I walked towards the bathroom, and all of a sudden there was a guy in front of me, and it scared me to death. I, I, I backed off, you know, just backed off. I moved again, and there he was again. It was my shadow. You know, but you know that split second? Uh, my, 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 phone, <laughs> my phone was shining from the table, you know, and, and the other lights were on. It, 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 you know, it, it's scary, right? Something happens in the middle of the night, you just kind of lose perspective. You can imagine how scary it was when the angel showed up and started talking to these shepherds. They were afraid, understandably afraid, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2 and verse 10. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, don't be afraid, nothing to be afraid of, for behold, I bring you good tidings, that's the same as good news, I bring you the gospel, same, I bring you the gospel, good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. The, the great joy comes from knowing that Jesus is for you, and, and that, that phrase, all people, 
And, uh, in the New Testament, there's a word that means all mankind. That's not what this word is. This word, uh, you know a country by this name. It's over there around Vietnam and Cambodia. The country is Laos. And that's the Greek word right here. And it means a people, a tribe, a nation, all those who are of the same stock and language. And, and, and this angel comes to this Hebrew guy, this Jewish guy, this, this Israel, Israelite shepherd, and says, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which is for every people group in the entire universe. You don't mean that, yep, I mean that. You don't mean these people, yep, I mean that people over here. Every people group, this, this joy is for every one of them because this Savior came to save every one of them. Verse 11, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The birth of the Savior. Good news to every people group, every language, every nationality, every race, every background in the entire world. And he is that this Savior is identified as Christ, the Messiah, who's also the Lord, the one with supreme power and supreme authority. So not only is he sent by God, Messiah, but he has the ability to do the job of saving the world because he is the Lord. He's for everybody. He's for you, too. He's for you. He cares about you. You may not care about you all the time. I don't care about me all the time. But I take solace and comfort in the fact that God cares about me all the time. One more thing. Jesus helps us become more faithful, more joyful, and finally more triumphant, right? Come ye, all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. Now, I don't feel triumphant all the time. A lot of times I'm kind of afraid. Sometimes I feel more triumphant when I have the right person with me. You ever feel that way? The right, the right guy is there. When you're a little kid, it's like when mom's there or dad's there. It's like, all right, bring it on. Bring, you know, I'm not afraid of it. Right? You, 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 can you remember feeling that way when you were little and mom was there or dad was there or whatever? You could just bring, I'll go anywhere. I don't care. Now, you know, it doesn't bother me. <clears throat> I was watching just a little bit. I don't ever watch a whole movie or anything, but I caught a little bit of the, near the end of Jurassic Park 3 one day this last week, you know, and Jurassic Park 3, and, and there's these, they're trying to get out of this, you know, this island that's covered up with dinosaurs and so forth, and they're moving towards the coast, and some people get killed, and some people get hurt, and all that kind of stuff, but they're really kind of running for their lives. I don't know if you can see the pictures at the top there uh, <clears throat> or not, but for most of the movies, these, the, these human characters are running from these d superior dinosaurs, and, and near the end, they come to the, to the coastline, and one person appears on the coastlines and waving to them, there, and they're going, no, no, you don't understand. Go back, go back, go back. We're all going to die. We're all going to die. And then uh, they get a little closer to the, to the coastline, and the Army's there, and the Navy's there, and the Marines are there. And air, all, you know, the you know, uh, representatives of, of, of every branch of the United States uh, Armed Services and the helicopters and, and all that kind of stuff. And all, their, their attitude changes. All right, bring it on, dinosaurs, now. You know, bring on anything you got that we, you know, it, it's, it's who's with you a lot of times. You ever feel that way? Who's, it just changes completely. If I feel like I'm by myself, uh, you know, I, I'm petrified. I, 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 I can't do anything. But boy, if I got, you know, if I got the big guns behind me, I feel completely different. Notice what Scripture says about 
how the God of the universe, the creator, the all-powerful one, is with us. Uh, we don't realize we've got our back a lot of times. Isaiah 9, verse 6, we connect this with Christmas. For unto us a child is born. That's Jesus, born 2,000 years ago. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. That little baby right there, yep, Mighty God. Everlasting Father. I thought he was the son. He's God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Verse 7, of his greatness, of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And it closes, by the way, with the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. He is King of kings. He's Lord of lords. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the Prince of Peace. Uh, he's, the, he's the author and finisher of our faith. He is everything we need, and he's got our back. Now, I don't feel that all the time. Maybe you do. I don't feel that all the time. Sometimes I forget about that. Sometimes I feel like I'm out there by myself. You know? <laughs> I have no defense. But here's what I know, God has my back. The creator, the one who spoke everything into existence, the one who designed me, the one who has me, the one who has prepared a place for me in eternity, he's got my back. So we must be aware of this, of who fights with us, who's got our back, who gives us victory in all situations, in all conditions. And that's why we sing songs like, O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come to this place because the God of the universe came down to meet with you. The creator of the universe came down to meet with you. The everlasting Father came down to meet with you. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. Got to say that a bunch of times, right? O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. I guess what I want you to take home with you today is just this, who's got your back? You know, who's got your back? Who's there for you? He, he just doesn't call the faithful, the joyful, and the triumphant. He calls, he calls the unfaithful and the sinners and the defeated to come, and I, he said, I'll make you that. I'll make you faithful. I'll make you joyful. I'll make you triumphant. You just come to this place where the, the, the moment in time, the place in time where the God of the universe came to meet with, hum, with humanity. Wasn't here on this earth very long, but he changed things eternally. Have you trusted him as your savior? Uh, do you follow him to give you joy and peace in your life this Christmas season? I'm thankful for everything else we do, but without Jesus, it doesn't make any difference. Let's pray, shall we? Father, I know you're here with us, and I thank you for that. As we come to the close of this service, first of all, I just ask that each one of us will look into our own heart and know that we have a personal relationship with you. Can't hide that. You know, can hide it from people, but it can't hide it from you. So help us be honest with you. And then those of us who have trusted you as Savior, help us to admit that we're not perfect, and that we need you every day of our life. We can't make it on our own. If we think we can get by without praying, without studying your word, without being with your people, we're fooling ourselves. Give us the grace to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me. Shall we?
Would you please?